Hi, I will be performing WAP at the Nine Horse Hitch, Dalen. And I'm your little boy with big dreams, Eric. And welcome to Loyal's Book Club, a podcast dedicated to dissecting and discussing Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. And you are joining us after a bit of a break. We had a teeny tiny little break, but we're back. We're back, back, back again. Giving you a dose of uh, Wheel of Time and some alcohol. Uh, We're going to be covering chapters 10 to 15 today. Some... Very, very... Eric, what did you think of these chapters, like, as a, on the whole? Yeah, you know, I think there was a, uh, a very heavy theme into dreams in this bunch of chapters. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of... Sorry, I'm looking over my notes because... Um, aha, yes, I did write it. I did, I did write it. Look at me. I'm a little <laughs> studious boy. Yeah, these five chapters, we've got a lot of uh, finer moving pieces, it seems. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of setting the stage, so to speak, especially in the... Uh, first three books, you know, talked about in past episodes of how formulaic those first three books kind of felt, but we're breaking away from form now. Yeah. Uh, but we are setting some things up. We do get some pretty cool stuff with Teleron Riyadh. Uh, and actually, that leads me into why I chose the drink that we're drinking tonight. All right, Eric, why don't you tell us, what is the drink du jour? Yes, the drink du jour tonight is a hot toddy. Ooh. And uh, for anybody out there that doesn't know, this is a uh, it is a hot drink uh, composing of water, hot water, and whiskey. Uh, you also throw in a little bit of honey and a little bit of lemon, garnish it with a cinnamon stick, and you've got a hot toddy. I chose it because uh, this is a real old-fashioned drink. Uh, it typically is a, a nightcap. Typically, mm-hmm. after you know you go out with your friends, or you know at, after the uh, after the social club or the country club or whatever, uh, you retire to your estate. And uh, hot toddies are a pretty much a, uh, you know, one of those ones that you could expect. A little bit more old-fashioned, but especially with how many uh, dream-related things, I kind of like the idea of a nightcap. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little nightcap. Right. And I don't know if we've actually covered it, but have we covered the basics of a cocktail at all? No, I don't think we have. Cool. If I can entertain anyone's ear for a second. Yeah, Eric is the cocktail master. He is a uh, bar sedai over here. Yes, in in in, in practice. Uh, our Balmerlin C. Oh, Eric like is our Balmerlin C. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, still practicing, still training. I'm learning stuff new every day. But um, one of the things I learned when you build a cocktail, and this could go for any mixologist out there if you're trying to try some uh, original stuff, is a cocktail typically composes of three ingredients. You've got your base spirit, an acid, and a sugar. Mm. Uh, And out of that, you know, you can whip any of those up, and if they mix and mingle, it's great. And uh, with that fourth ingredient, a garnish, typically you play into the sugar element. So uh, tonight we don't quite have it. It is supposed to be a cinnamon stick, but for this drink traditionally, the cinnamon stick would play with the honey in question. Mm. So just a little little mixology tip if you're out there experimenting, uh, make sure you got those three, sometimes four if you're using a garnish. See, I'm glad Eric is talking about this because if I tried to talk about this, I'd be like, uh, uh, maybe something fruity, <laughs> s- s- something. Uh, but uh, but we got you, we got you for the uh, the books and master of the books, which is great because yes. I, I I it has been a while. <laughs> we have been on break. Yeah. And uh, this was this is our first. Uh, go to a, a double recording style. Yeah. Um, we won't get into the minutiae and the behind the scenes, but we're trying something different for our scheduling, trying to knock out some more episodes. And uh, I got to say, reading this many chapters in one go... It's a lot. 
There's going to be a little bit of I'm going to be I'm going to be asking you some questions. Yeah. I promise you they're not quizzing, it's not speed round. I just you I don't need... know what I should know in this point. Right. <laughs> so just to kind of recap, um just for uh the show, um we do uh are we if you are listening to this live and wondering why episode 23 was probably only like 1 minute in me talking, um, unfortunately, while we did go live with the Way of the Leaf boys, and that was very fun, uh, some technical issues came up and we were not able to download it and give, wrap it up in that neat little bow that we usually do. And so, for right now, episode 23 is video only, but we'll try to fix that. It's all good. And coming up, we have uh, Loyal Spoils, um, what was previously just for like outside books like when I did Pretty Little Liars we're gonna re appropriate that we're gonna retitle it we'll come up with some fun title but Loyal Spoils is um a fun after show in which I get to recount the chapters we just talked about but this time with full spoilers and we have some very exciting guests on the line I believe my first episode will be with Rob from Malkier Talks so that's gonna be very very exciting and that's coming in the next couple of weeks or so awesome but to kind of catch Eric up um, as to where we are because we have taken a break. So um, where it kind of concerns us in this episode, Elaine and Nynaeve have been traveling west, uh, eastward from uh, Terrebonne Tanchico. They found uh, the male Adam. They are on the run from the Black Aja, from Mogedian. Um, uh, Elaine has been flirting with Tom, which is very gross and very weird. And oh, where we like, we're, we're gonna get to it, but I kind of oh. like it. I kind of do. I have thoughts on it. I have sort of. I have. I have thoughts, and I'm curious to hear yours. But <laughs> where we last left, uh, Nanave and Elaine, they had just been drugged by Ronde Makira and her uh, little friend Lucy, and so Elaine passed out. And when Nanave passed out, actually, and so we begin chapter ten, figs and mice. Elaine has woken up. And just before we start, this was an observation I kind of had, and I wonder if you kind of feel the same. Robert Jordan writes these really well-crafted women, but we've found in the past couple of books, they always end up in a damsel in distress sort of situation mm. where they have to be rescued by the men. And, like, take uh, the Wonder Girls. They they went out on their own, fought to search out the Black Aja, fully capable, and then they got captured by the Black Aja to be rescued by Matt and Tom. Hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just this weird, like... Like a reoccurring pattern. Yeah, of, uh... and it's kind of like you're setting... You keep doing, like, oh, they're fully capable of doing these things without men, mm -hmm. and then, well... Yeah, interesting. Um, you know what? I was almost... <laughs> I think my knee-jerk reaction was to uh, disagree, but then... Realizing that I've got my own male blind spots yeah. uh, playing into that a bit more. You know, you're right. Uh, that is very much a pattern that's happening. I guess all I can say is for me, for a first time reader, I'm hoping that this plays into kind of a major theme down the line that yeah. the one power can't solve everything. Because it, it should be pretty easy for them to kind of just magic their way out of out of yeah. these circumstances and stuff. But but you are right. We They are consistently uh, saved by someone else. But I actually, you brought up an interesting point, the one power can't save anything. And I think a running theme through this book is realizing the Aes Sedai are humans. Mm -hmm. They're not creatures of myth and legend, as we 
the reader thinks in Eye of the World and The Great Hunt. Mm. So I think I actually like the point you made of, I think, while, you know, it is a little mm, that they keep getting saved by men, mm. I think it brings the reality of the situation of these are like, na- not naive, but I think just two people out in the world where they have no idea what's going on. Right. And, and I think they have maybe learned to lean on their the one power as a crutch, mm-hmm. as, well, we can just side on it. Right. You know, and I'm wondering because that very well could be um, what's happening here, but I don't think that takes away from the intent. I think actually the episode we just did with the Leaf Boys, uh, shout out to them. Thank you very much for having us on. Shout out. Uh, We got into a pretty cool discussion about, you know, the boys are are, um, Tavaren. Yeah. But, but the women are not. and, And why not? Because especially if you're talking about those original five, they all have their own weaves in the pattern yeah. that are going to be pretty damn important and have been already. So, you know, whether or not that's the intent is one thing. I, I think that's just a product of age. Yeah. Um, not excusing it, just, you know, that was just kind of the norm, and we wouldn't even be talking about this back in, God, when were these released? Uh, this was 93. 93? Oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, Eye of the World, 1990, all the way 90. to... Memory of Light, 2013. I always, I always go 70s. Am I thinking like Terry Pratchett? Yeah, maybe? like okay. you're a little like Dune. Okay, like yeah, I think. I no, th- these are like 90s to 2000s. So like so modern, mo- modern enough, I guess. You know, I, I think it definitely deserves to be a conversation. Yeah. Um, I'd be very interested in, in hearing uh, a woman or a woman uh, identifying opinion yeah. about that. Because again, I very much uh, accept and acknowledge that I've got my own blind spots as a man, yeah. as a white man, as a straight white man, yeah. even. Boo. Boo. Get out but... of here. Get out of here, <laughs> cis man. So, yeah. If you're, if you're cis man, it's like... <laughs> no, if you're in our Discord server, I'd actually like to hear that a lot. I think it was actually uh, Master of the Deck in our episode where she kind of brought up Perrin's, uh, you know, his, his very... Uh, uh, his misogyny, but what you call it? his casual misogyny. Yeah. And it flew over my head because I was just kind of, you know, it. I, 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 I was vibing in that chapter. Exactly. You were that gift of parents. <laughs> Marcus Rutherford dancing. Um, but no, I'd be I'd be very interested to hear other people's opinions because, yeah, it's, it's definitely a pattern. Yeah. Um, whether that plays into something later, I'll have to read and find out. For sure. But we were introduced to Fork Root, which um, when you weren't looking, Eric, I put Fork Root in the hot toddy so you will not be able to channel Mm. but it's really interesting that we now have a weakness against i said that it's not the one power it's not shielding it's not stilling it's an herb Mm -hmm. and the fact that it's used against nynaeve has Mm -hmm. to be just a bee in her bonnet you know yeah and you know again like this was the first chapter out of a bunch of chapters I read. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you recall, did, does she have that thought process? That Does she know what Fork Root is um, and that it's happened? Or is this kind of like a kind of like a hush-hush kind um, of deal? Elaine or Nynaeve? Uh, Nynaeve. No, this is, uh, it's revealed a little later. She knew nothing of what Fork wow. Root was. So it's that kind of like, so All she right. and Elaine were completely blindsided. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they eventually reawaken. Lucy kind of comes in. It's, I don't know why I thought of uh, what uh, Max and his wife from The Princess Bride. I don't know why I thought of them to play these two women. Like, that very... Like, it's a... In retrospect, it's a kind of dark scene. Elaine and Nynaeve have been roofied, essentially. Mm-hmm. However, with the bumblingness of Lucy, like, wringing her hands and, like, all of that, 
it's a dark comic scene right. well, almost. almost misses giving them another dose of the fork root. Yeah. <laughs> Even it's it's very it's very uh uh Tenardier <laughs> of them, you know, like yeah, 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 bumbling a little bit. Um but I do actually appreciate that. I do appreciate the richness of these secondary and, and you know, uh yeah. uh kind of off to the side characters that they still very much are very real people you would probably encounter in the world. Yeah. And um, so I'm curious what your notes say for this chapter. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, typically I don't take notes. But like like we said, we're kind of in a different format, and I wanted to make sure I, I headed everything. Um, I have been notating the iconography at the beginning oh, of each chapter okay, now. All right. I'm, I'm trying to key in with that a little bit. What was bit. the iconography for this one? Uh, I put down harp thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not uh, sure what it is, but you I, wordsmith. I Yes, yes. I hey, it, there's a reason why I'm the reader and not the writer. <laughs> but I'm I'm got to guess that's that's Tom. Yeah. You know, that's, that's our It's uh it's Tom's harp. Yeah. That he conspicuously um, doesn't have No, I don't think he has the harp anymore. Yeah, and you know, I basically bullet-pointed these chapters and the three bullet points I have for this one kind of overall is uh Tom plus uh now, see, in my head, I always pronounced it Julian, and then I realized the spelling's totally different in the pronunciation, probably. Same. It's Julian? Julian? That's, yeah. Beautiful. That's beautiful. I like that. Uh, I've got down here that Tom and Julian kick ass. Yeah. Because they do. Um, although, it does bring up that slight uh, observation, I yeah. guess. I, I don't know if I'd call it a problem. Well, maybe it is a problem. I don't know why you were... I thought you were about to say Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry, man. Tom just, and Jerry. Just... <laughs> Tom and... <laughs> all the <laughs> physical comedy and just yeah. smacking each other with that. Uh, they kick ass, and they do. No, I, they I, are I great. Love them. They're a great team. Love that they're teamed up. I got, uh... Nineave apologizes? Oh, my God. What? Like... Yeah, I think, you know... I know Nineave is so at the bottom of your list... But she's she's climbing now. She's she's climbing. There's something about Nynaeve that is very frustrating because you're just like, dude. But also, it's so fucking funny. I think I've identified it. I, I and I think it's because out of everyone here, I think did, did that whiskey hit you a little bit? Yeah. I saw that face. Eric did a generous pour of whiskey. I was working with. Popcorn. I was in popcorn. I was working with faulty equipment. Let's. I normally never blame the equipment, but. Uh, no, I I think what I'm realizing about Nynaeve is out of everyone in this cast of characters, I actually think I relate to her the most. I think she gets in the way of her own potential because yes. she's already good and she knows she's good, but her flaws and her shortcomings, her personal shortcomings, she she holds herself back. Yeah. So to see her apologize here kind of opened the door for me of like, oh, okay. Maybe maybe we're gonna get maybe we're gonna get a really cool transformative yeah so I'm excited yeah Uh, and then my last note I've got is pigeons with three dots Mm. yeah pigeons before that I do want to talk about um, our lovely Julian Mm -hmm. the moment when he comes in and he tells either Rhonda or Lucy um, if you tell any if like you try to cause any trouble I will get some salt. Um, a bowl and something. He and like it, he threatens them with torture enough that like it scares the shit out of them. And then he talks about when he was a thief catcher in Tear. He will go, you you can make the strongest man bend by going. I will bring some figs and mice. And Elaine's like, I don't want to know the details, but what is it? And Julian's like, I don't know. But like I love that. Like it's such a good counterbalance to Nynaeve and Elaine's like. Men don't. Men always use muscle. It's like, 
there's very good at psychological things, uh, girl, ladies. It's very, it's very Skyfall villain. Yeah. When he's talking about the uh, the mice eating the people, and then you've got an island full of mice that have a taste for flesh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, very much pigeons. Yeah. Because it's we switch to a omniscient POV as we kind of see Nynaeve and Elaine after they've decided, okay. We can't go to Tarvalon because suddenly Swan Sanche has something against us for some strange reason. Um, so they decide they are going to go to Tyr. Mm-hmm. Or at least just keep heading east. Mm-hmm. I think they start for Tyr on chapter 13. Yeah. Um, and then Ronde eventually comes out of it. And she goes to the guy who she's kind of like hooking up with as like her business partner. She sends two pigeons, one west to someone in Terrabon, and then another to the White Tower. And then she leaves, and then her guy, who's just been hoeing and raking in the garden, picks up her letter, holds it up to the sun, and sends another one. So I'm curious to know, what do you think? Like Honestly, I have no idea. I just wrote down the note pigeons because i know they're going to come into play later and it's one of those fine fine mechanisms in yeah. this narrative where it's going to come up and i guarantee you on a second or a third read through through it's going to be like oh shit these are the messages here's yeah. what's coming I uh think we found our episode title pigeons pigeons <laughs> very suspiciously yeah. pigeons so i don't know uh i do think it's very interesting that uh i think it was confirmed one of them's going to tarvalon Yes. Um, and you know, there's there's some shit going down over there right yeah. now, which we actually get to see later, which is I, I got thoughts. Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know. And so like we can theorize about the second one because it's going to Terrabon and we know there's political strife there. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's a thing of I'm so sorry to spoil this for you. These questions are never answered of where it was going ah, to last. Okay. I yeah. thought I would just rip that band-aid off. All right, thank you. No, I'd probably be lying, lying awake at night. I do have... <laughs> it's, it's, it's not in this chapter. It's, it's one later, but I do have a bullet point that just says geography in the same way I wrote <laughs> pigeons. Because uh, in this bunch of chapters, we get a lot more locations and, and geographical things that are happening, some new locations and stuff. So I think that's why I wrote down the pigeons note, because uh, just in case it comes up later, I don't yeah. want to be totally blindsided. That's fair. But When uh, <laughs> eventually our uh, l- dead Forsaken of the Week gets her eyes pecked out by pigeons <laughs> or some shit exactly. in this book. Because God knows it's going to be like Mogedium, like, you think you can win Randalthor? <laughs> right. Bye, bird. Epiphania... Says Jimmy, which is her mouse, could get some info for from some dark friends at need. Well, Epiphania, I don't want to be that person. Your mouse might be a uh, spy for the dark one. <laughs> I'm just saying. But so let's go to chapter eleven, the nine horse hitch. Mm-hmm. A we are back with. I'm trying to think of a good. So we have like the wild hogs, which are. Uh, Garth, Brynn, and his men. We need to think of a name for Swan, Lyanna, Min, and Loghain. See, they they very much kind of remind me a little bit of, like, the Rogue One resistance, or kind of like the resistance from Star Wars. Because I do think, because we do get pretty to, um, you know, uh... We do, we do get the heads up that they're looking for the blue Aja, and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to race ahead by any means, but there's a bit of a split. Whiskey hits you again. Oh, Jesus. 
Squeeze some more lemon in there, man. More, oh, more, it's already empty. Get, oh, it's all empty. You just want some straight whiskey? You're, you're all warmed up for it now. I might have... Well, are you going to have a little more whiskey? I might have a little bit more whiskey. Okay, I'll have a little more you know, whiskey. We're, we'll we're, we're only chapter 11. Um, yeah. We so, I don't know. They're, they're, they're kind of like a... They're like a band of resistance. They're kind of they're kind of a rogue group. They're kind of a rebel group. Maybe rogue... Rogue... T- rogue, rogue Blue? Rogue Blue. Ooh. Rogue Blue. There it is. All right. So, we got our teams. We got Rogue Blue. We got... Um, Very nice. We got uh, Tom and Jerry. We got Tom and Jerry. We got Wild Hogs. We have... Um, carrot crew for random them oh nice nice i like that um and then we'll figure out the others here pass, um, pass your cup over here i'll give you a little splash of whiskey oh maker's mark you sweet little temptress you yeah oh yeah if anyone's curious and very much here at our book club for the uh, alcohol in question we are drinking makers 46 a very very nice uh, oak stave. I think they put it in vanilla oak barrels for about like another 10 years or Ooh. something. And well, Actually, I can just read it off right here. <laughs> Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey barrel finished with 10 French oak staves. So there Ooh. it is, but a little bit nicer. And the song I was singing, it, it's from a musical called Ghost Quartet. Um, lovely, soul-searching really musical. Um, it made my friend, upon first listen, cause her to drive to the beach and just stare out the waves for a second. It'll do it to you. Uh, so, yeah, we do have this uh, chapter, The Nine Horse Hitch. The iconography, I believe, is the Flame of Tarvalon. Is that correct? Uh, the symbol of the Aes Sedai. Of the Aes Sedai. All yes, right. you're hey, there. Look at it. Hey, I'm just trying to pay more attention because I feel like I feel like I've been floating through this series a bit and like just missing <laughs> some fine details, yeah. which makes sense because we got, you know, Swan and... and Leanne. <laughs> and, and, yeah, exactly. But you are right. They are blue, uh, rogue... Blue, rogue blue. They are searching for a gathering of Aes Sedai. and so that's what's brought them to Lugard. Um, like I said, man, geog- geography. I know. I actually <laughs> am going to make a map for you and just kind of like pu- try to find where everybody is at, like the start of each episode. That would that would help. Yeah, that, that would help immensely. So, um, there are white cloaks. Um. It's funny, when you think about how Rogue Blue, Tom and Jerry, Leandrin and Mogadian, how close they all are. Oh, it's kind of freaky. I don't know how... Um, oh, fuck, of course my map. I'm actually going to look in the book. Um, there is a map. I'm going to try to see where the... So, Lugard and Amadusia. Okay, uh, so Altara is between them. So, it's essentially like they're in Arizona and... Tom and Jerry are in California, with Altara being Arizona. Okay. All right, I can conceptualize I that. I just repeated myself the same time, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I do think it's interesting how they are very spatially close, but the story, the, the pattern, doesn't yeah. call for them to meet or intersect yeah. yet. So they're very much like circling the drain together, yeah. but, the, but the weaving doesn't quite intersect yet. And it's also this kind of thing where it's kind of like, all you have to do is just go north in your home. Yep. <laughs> but it's the sad thing of, I don't think any of them are going to ever see the two rivers again. No, no, that that hope is, as, as soon as we got Perrin back there, my hope of anyone else getting back there is, is totally done. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's one of my, not not necessarily a prediction, but that's just where I'm kind of lining up with now. That's fair. Yeah. Um. So uh, Swan is looking for a blue agent. And she sends Leanna Loghain, who, I'm sorry, Loghain's um, alias, Dolan. I'm like, uh-uh, I don't like that. That's is, it, too, is it a little too close to that's home? That's too close. I don't know. I, 
I, I like Because my name is uncommon enough where, like, there could be variations of Eric. That's, in that's true. Any book, and you're like, oh, that's me. But Dalen is so obtuse that Dalen, I'm like, mm. You want me to shoot it up the uh, shoot it up the ladder? Talk to Sanderson for you. Yeah. Okay. If we could just if we can get also Harriet McDougal on the line, they're like what the <laughs> fuck. Um. So she eventually finds this woman, this Madame Tenardier of a woman. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's a really funny scene because Swan is trying. Like I think Swan's a very interesting character because she knows she is no longer the Almerlin seat. She knows she cannot channel. But she still has trouble letting go of that. Right. So she tries to still have that air of the Almerlin seat and realizes it just kind of comes off arrogant and just mean. It's kind of a cool, like, you know, when you're a field agent, you know, you, you learn how to operate with your team and with other people and stuff. But then yeah. when you're put behind a desk, you know, and you're running the operations, you kind of you kind of lose that edge. And I feel like that's what's happening to Swan is, like, she's got to learn some some things first before she gets back in touch with the one She's got to walk before she can run. Yeah, because I, I don't think she's going to be cut off forever, um, you know, because uh, that was something that was done to her, no? Uh, yeah, she's been, she... has like, shielded or, or blocked. Uh, she's stilled. She's been stilled, yeah. Yeah, no, stilled. Like, her and Leanna, they can never touch the source again. As far as we know. I, I'm, I, think, I think you can undo... Stilling. I think you can. I think it's going to happen to Loghain. I think it's going to happen to Swan. Hmm. Uh, but I think she's got to learn some things first. So that that is one of my uh, soft, softer hard predictions from this bunch of chapters. Interesting. All right. Maybe it's just because it's something I want to see because it's a very sad idea. It is. It's Stilling is a very sad and unfortunate thing, but unfortunately it is the reality of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes to the woman she suspects is this blue agent and goes, oh, I want to learn how to sing. I want to dance for your show. Um, and the woman's like, oh, okay, show me your legs. And this whole bit, and eventually they learn, uh, uh, a code is given, Sally Diera. Mm-hmm. And Swan interprets that as Saladar, um, the birthplace of the... A lot, there's, so whenever, like, they're like, oh, yeah, remember when this red Omerlin fucked everything over for us? I'm like, but I wonder, do you think it's foreshadowing? Because they're going to the town where it's, Nynaeve is looking for it uh, by the end of this episode, and Swan mm-hmm. is looking for a refuge of Blue Sisters. Mm-hmm. That is the hometown of the Blue Sister who is celebrated for bringing the tower back together after uh, Bodwin. Uh, essentially fucked the tower over when Archer Hawkwing tried to uh, invade Harvalon. She went, no, fuck you. And she got stilled and thrown in the dungeons. Mm-hmm. But, so do you think there is some foreshadowing of a former blue Omerlin? And I'm curious to know what you're, What do you think is going to come from that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I do have some thoughts on that because I think it reflects this series as a whole. Uh, <laughs> it's good stuff, huh? <laughs> it's great. It's good. Oh, oh, 46. Um, you know, it's... Brother it's, Dan! Hey, Brother Dan, welcome. Welcome, Caldir, if I'm saying your name right. Sorry, let's just go... Caldir, Epiphania, Brother Dan, and Mandar. Welcome, welcome. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think this is a very easy reference point, but since I've already referenced it, and plus a lot of people have seen it or know some of it, uh, I will reference Star Wars again. Okay. Star Wars works really well when... It works like poetry. You know, you have echoes of the same line, the same famous line said by different people in different contexts. Right. 
what I'm, I guess it comes down to this. What is the overall theme of this series? Is it that the weave is a pattern that you cannot break? You yeah. are doomed to repeat, you know, wash, rinse, repeat through yeah. all of time. Because that's what we're getting with, I think, with Rand, you know, getting those flashes of loose Theron and stuff. And, you know, this idea of kind of like reincarnation, the dragon reborn. Right. Or, you know, are you gifted similar things happening with knowledge from before so that you can change the present yeah so i don't know what i know what i'd like to happen <laughs> okay well, what would you like to happen i would love the blue jaw to rise up and absolutely tear the tower back i would like the tower just to break okay i think that type of organized i i think it led us exactly to this you know i think it's a power yeah. imbalance so and the wheel is also all about balance mm -hmm, exactly so but we do get an argument against a broken tower um but that's for the last uh that's for chapter 13 mm -hmm. so we'll we'll kind of save that but yeah. so you would like that to happen mm -hmm. but robert jordan tends to pull the rug from underneath you so what do you think is going to happen i think it's going to happen exactly the opposite okay for a short a short term so I think we're going to have, you know, I think it's until you get those people that can break the pattern, the there and, you know, the, yeah. the ones that kind of lead their own destiny and kind of shape the destinies around them. I think until they get involved, mm. this is what it's going to be for a while. We're, we're going to have this kind of, you know, I, I call it the Black Tower. I don't know if that's going to be a thing or if that is a thing yet, but... You know, that's kind of what I want to call it because of the uh, the power upset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> it's good. It's good. This maker's mark's lovely, y'all. But, so... You we, are more of a ginger drinker, aren't I you? I am. Eric, whiskey's too straight I, I was going to say, I couldn't pick, like, something more Are you a whiskey opposite. drinker? Oh, very much. I'm a bourbon boy. I'm a bourbon boy. I forgot you're straight, so that's... I'm a straight white man from the backwoods. I like my bourbon. We need a effeminate <laughs> we need to make it effeminate a little bit with some gin oh please i give me a tom collins i love gin in the right you know recipe gin and tonic mm. or gimlet mm -hmm. Gimlets um, are great. so i have a question for you mm -hmm. do you think nynaeve and elaine are gonna make it to saladar and do you i want to throw out a theory for you and see how you like it mm -hmm. nynaeve becomes a puppet on merlin ooh 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 i think Hmm. I think it's about half right. Okay. I think I think these girls are going to get trapped. All right. Uh, down the line, I think they are going to be. I think especially with um someone in the mix that we'll get to. Moggy Moggy. Yes, <laughs> I think they're going to be a very much a, a front running antagonist, kind of running the stuff. And I do think Nine Eight and Elaine are going to get wrapped into it in a bad way. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Puppet Omelin, though. I never thought about that. I like that. Like, do you think, like, maybe they'll be like, oh, Elida's so against Rand, and we know how much you care for Rand. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think they would get Elaine, because they're like, no, you're the daughter. Right. Or they could be like, oh, yeah, you know. Like, Nynaeve and Elaine could be perfectly used as their connection to Rand as bait. And I actually want to talk about Nynaeve and Rand a little bit when we get to that chapter, but... For sure. I think I think we're going to get some of that. I think we're going to get some of the, you know, good people taken on the inside. Yes, yes, drink the whiskey. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, this chapter ends. Um, I, it, I like Min. I, it ends. Do, do you see my last note right there? She loves Rand, but yeah. at the same time, I'm like, get the... F I... It's like... 
I don't know. Min is such a great character. Mm-hmm. And if the quote-unquote leaks are to believe, be believed in for season one, I like what they're doing with her character. Min, I I just get so frustrated. Because I, at least with Elaine, her like, I love Rand. You're kind of like, okay, you're 17. You're, you're just leaving for the first time. Mm-hmm. Min is fully 25. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, she's like, I wish I didn't have to think about Rand out Thor so much. She's like, you really don't have to. Mm-hmm. You can kind of focus on something else. Like... I feel like it's this, I get that she's powerless against the pool of Taviran, but it's also like, girl, come on, like, she, read a book, she, get a hobby, she is, something. And, and this is probably my problem with, you know, the women not being Taviran, and um, also Min's power set is very old and antiquated, you know, her, yeah. her viewings, her, uh, her visions, you know, this feels like that should be something kind of outside of you know the one yeah. power. It's, it, it feels like very old magic, like uh, like Perrin's whole deal. Yeah. And so like the... I think I think that's what bugs me more is like Min should be much more powerful in her own right, both yeah. as a character and as the power set that yeah. she has. So that's that's my main problem. She's just very like every twenty seconds is like, oh you girl, why are you, why are you thinking of Rand? It's like just say you want to get dicked down by him, and that's okay. <laughs> find find someone in the inn. <laughs> like fuck Loghain. So then do you think it's, like, it's the Taveran pool and not necessarily, like, chemistry that's that's pulling her in? I think it's, like, the Taveran pool, and it's also, and I'm not using this as a slight against Robert Jordan. I don't know if Robert Jordan really knew how to write women. Mm-hmm. In the sense of, like, it's not like, um, wow, Elaine, you just killed seven men. Thanks, I grew up with brothers. And it's not like Scar- uh, Black Widow, Joss Whedon era. Right. But it is this sort of thing of... It is slightly one-dimensional. It is. Some, and it's some unfortunate of them, like... because we have women like Moraine, we have women mm-hmm. like Elida and Nynaeve and Elaine, and... Um... He definitely he definitely taps out a little bit on some of the characters. Yeah, he kind of goes like, Min, mm, you're good, yeah. you know? But... So Min is that. sitting in the inn with uh, Leanne, and she's watching her flirt. Um, and then it kind of cracked me up because Swan just appears behind. He goes, "We have to leave now." <laughs> and it's just, um, I love the authority that Sof- Sophie Okonedo has in that trailer. When you see her, I just am like, it's and Jennifer uh, Chion Garcia. Um, speaking of all the women in the show, um, it looks like they just casted. We are looking for step on me, please, women. Oh, big time. Like, everyone in this series. Egwene. They said, oh, you love this tall woman in the new Resident Evil game? (laughs) We'll give you. We got a treat for you. We'll give you. We'll we'll give you more of that. Is is that the flavor of the decade? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm very happy it's happening. And so, yeah, the chapter ends with them, like, all right, we have to peace out. And then we get to, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to this man. Uh, Chapter 12, An Old Pipe. Sorry to this old man. I'm sorry. Gareth Brynn's chapters are so fucking boring. It's not as bad as the Oth on the air. Go ahead and read that third bullet point I, I put down for the chapter. Boring. What is the second word? Uh, kinda. Boring kinda. Uh, boring kinda. And and it is. It is. I mean, the thing with Gareth Brynn is he. it's not an interesting character. It's a very human character where he's like, yeah. I'm chasing after this woman whatever Swan's name was in uh, Core Springs because she broke an oath. And it's kind of like, and? Mm-hmm. Like, there's I, nothing... Yeah, I don't have a problem with his motives whatsoever. It's just that, you know, again, it feels like that's where it was tapped out of. Of, like, you get it. 
you get yeah. it. We, we don't have to dive into his character or, or any yeah. of the subtext or anything. It's just very much like, here's a man who has his duty, and he's got his thing, and he's going to do that thing or die trying. Yeah, and it's kind of like, cool, I don't fully yeah. care right now. Uh, before we skip it, I did uh, notate that the iconography is a bull. Yeah, uh, Gareth Prince symbol. Yeah, and uh, the only time we've had a bull referenced is to Perrin as young bull. Mm. So I'm wondering uh. if we're going to have any character parallels, anything like that. Uh, you know, maybe like opposite side of the same coin kind of deal. Like maybe maybe he's like Perrin, but not really. I don't think so, but yeah. it was it was interesting that we get a, we get a bull. Otherwise, very uh, uneventful chapter. Yeah. He's in Lugard the day after. Yeah. Um, Rogue Blue leave. Mm-hmm. So, and then he was just like, oh, White Cloaks are searching for her, so I guess I'll go after her. And you're like, exactly. great. I, I, think, I think I mentioned to you pre-episode of just like, it just feels like we're setting up some pieces to be obstacles yeah. later, so that when he does come into play later, and is that pain in the ass, it's not like, where the fuck did you come from? It's like, right. no, 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 we gave him a chapter. We, <laughs> we gave, gave him a chapter. He got a POV. <laughs> Don't worry. You remember the bowl? You remember yeah. the bowl? <laughs> um so then we are going to go to, I think, one of my favorite chapters in this entire series. Chapter 13, A Room in Sienda. Um, I'm sorry. Like, I know um, I posted on the Rut subreddit, like, when I first read that scene of how funny it was. And, like, and everyone's like, it's the most immature moment with Nanny. She's so awful. It is so fucking funny. The way she's, like, like, N- Elaine is, like, so deep in thought. And she goes... Uh, has my lady been thinking? Is my lady bored? Like the pure passive aggressive sarcasm. And I'm like, I just want one shot of like nine, eight finishes and Elaine just kind of does like a strangling motion, just like loses her composure once. But, and like the whole, like, uh, she tells Tom speed up and she just, and Elaine's like, I can hear them shit talking her. And then after she kind of gets like talked down by Elaine saying like, you need to, like, relax. Like, you need to calm the fuck down. She opens the hitch and goes, why are you going so fast? Are you trying to kill us? And it's dead quiet. I'm like, how Tom and Julian haven't run the carriage off their own going, yeah. fuck this. Well, it's interesting, too, because you've got, like, I think with Nynaeve and Elaine, you've got a softer relationship than Nynaeve and Gwen. <laughs> I think with Nynaeve and Gwen, there's a real specific power dynamic there. Yes. Especially because they're, you know, from the same village, and Gwen's kind of, like, is an upshot and stuff. Yeah. But I think here you got a bit of, you know, Elaine has these roots. She kind of knows how this is. And I think that yeah. is a little annoyed at that as well. Yeah. I think she <laughs> knows, um, Mandarb is very much correct. And Nynaeve and Elaine together are funny because they mm-hmm. bounce off each other really well, where without Elaine, Nynaeve would fail. Yeah. But I feel like without, they kind of need each other mm-hmm. because Elaine can, you know, as much as like, it's, they think it's annoying. She can play the lady. She right. was raised in the court. She can do that. I love that uh, even Rhonda says, yeah, they said to look for a girl who kind of looks snobby. And it's just like, love that that's a... Dead, that's a dead ringer. <laughs> I know. It's like, hate for that to be you. <laughs> but I, I do love their dynamic. I think there is... I think... There is a little bit of, I, I'm not, like, cut the bullshit, Nynaeve. We know what this is really about, yeah. you know, with Nynaeve and Elaine. Um, but I'm curious to know your thought on that. Yeah, no, love love the dynamic. Um, are you talking about, like... Just in general, Nynaeve and Elaine, and oh, okay. this scene in particular. Gotcha. Um, yeah, you know, I kind of I kind of didn't rush through it by any means, but it definitely was one of the more truthfully humorous pieces. Yeah. And I think it's because it's just... 
the honest pairing of these characters interacting in this situation. Yeah. And I feel like that's any of us. I feel like I know they're, I, like, because you can get where Nynaeve is coming from. It's like, mm-hmm. really, I have to be your maid. And I think just that pure, like, fine you want to be mm, and I, I think i think it is interesting i think we do get a bit of a uh you know uh, we get to see into the characters a bit more and yeah. you know not that we didn't know this but we do see it nine is very much about the business she's about the mission yeah and elaine has you know been in this life for so long that now that she's on the out she sees it kind of as a grand adventure yeah uh and i think those two outlooks really chafe against each other sometimes yeah. again not like in the way that the that personally Egwene and Nynaeve do but yeah. almost like you know professionally or something for sure um I, well, I but just... I do love the I do love the um the the picture of uh Tom and um Julian 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 there it is I got you, you uh know. of them just like up top while you know this is all just the happening behind face. and below them yeah just like <laughs> They One thing have... I did think was, like, this feels almost like... Because Moraine and, and Swan have, like, a relationship that's, like, 20 years old and stuff. Yeah. They, they, they came up together. and So, like, seeing that parallel was actually kind of interesting to me. Interesting. Okay. Not saying that either of them are going to necessarily be the, the Amarillan Seed or anything. I think it's all going to be destroyed and burnt down, ultimately. Okay. But it, it does feel like we're almost watching, like, a prequel of what their relationship is going to be in 20 years. Yeah, because... Assuming is... they both make it out alive. <laughs> <laughs> because this isn't like a huge spoiler, but uh, Swan was a Tyran fishing, hmm. grew up in a Tyran fishing village, versus Moraine, who grew up in the Kyrian courts. Mm-hmm. So there is that parallel there. Yeah, that every woman versus like a higher status yeah. upbringing. Yeah. Um, so I love it. I, as far as this grouping goes, too. Wait, so who do you think is going to die? I, man, I. It should, you it, said someone's not making out of it. Who do you think? Well, I'm. Po- well, I, I will say this. I'll say two things. Okay. At the end of the series, there is no way everybody makes it out alive. Of course. Uh, the second thing I will say is, my opinion of who that is changes every episode we do. Because <laughs> you're running theories, Bran's dying. I think I think he's gonna have to sacrifice himself. Yeah. I okay. think it's gonna be a you know a very much a a typical. Christian background, self-sacrificing for mankind kind of deal. Um, and mostly I think that because it does feel... <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> I just hope that little cop makes it on the recording. Um, I I, <laughs> uh, I think that's what's going to happen. It feels cliche. It also feels too obvious. And again, Robert Jordan does have a lot of flair for, you know, it is a typical adventure until the last... 20 pages right and then something kind of cool really happens so Nynaeve or Elaine dying feels very much in the realm of possibility okay um honestly so does Matt I don't know I just I have him on my radar I'm kind of calling it early but I I think Matt dies and I think that's why you know I'm well I mean the Eilfin said to him to live and to die again uh to Mm -hmm. die and to live again and to be a part of what was right do you think he's already died? You know, I think that's part of the reincarnation bit that the series is kind of doing. I, I think he's had past lives. I mean, he's getting those flashes and yeah. stuff. Ultimately, though, yeah, you know, especially with... I, I try to remember because um, in... Um, hold on, I want to make sure I'm not jumping the gun too much. Okay, it'll be in the next bunch of chapters that we cover. But 
We do get a mention of the Horn of Valir. Yeah, the Horn of Valir. And you know, um, that tool brought people from the dead, basically. You know, not as physical beings. Uh, it, yeah, it calls but... the heroes of the Horn. So, you know, we are seeing right now, in this time, present-day heroes in the making. So, yeah, it's, it's all fucking tiny, whiny shit of, yeah. like, it's Matt, but it's not really Matt, but all of these people have been Matt. I just think the Matt we know now isn't going to make it. Okay. And I think Elaine and Nine have very, I could very much not be surprised if either of them beef it. Okay. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I won't say anything else on that. <laughs> um, so they continue when... So, some people listening are like clutching their hair and like, he guessed it or he's so far off. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to... We're going to have to like look back on all the predictions I've made and, and go through them. Yeah. Um, I, so I love... So we're coming up on a plot arc that isn't my favorite, but I think could be done very well. So the horses stop and we encounter Valen Luca and his menagerie. Um, and it's the funniest thing because um, he's like, oh, my dear ladies, my uh, we caused some trouble in Sienda. Um, his elephants uh, smashed a hole in one of the nearby inns. And Elaine's like, oh, you can perform for us. And he's like, no, 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 chuckle fuck. Get a real job. And, like, yeah. gives him a silver penny and, like, we're leaving. Which is insane to me because you have Tom right there. And you yeah. see the use of a Gleeman both professionally, if that's all they are, and also useful as a spy. Yeah. Well, they do end up getting smart about it a little bit yes. later. Yes, they do. Episode. Yes, they do. But I think it's just that being so said, funny. I like him. Val and Luca? Yes, I like him. He's a little scummy. He's a little scummy, and but I, I like that about him. He's a little scummy, and there's something a little later on, but I want him to be played in the show. It's just very obviously very gay, but no one knows, everyone knows except him. Oh, that'd be fun. So anytime any, he, like, tries to, like, be, like, coy with Elaine and Nynaeve, I think Elaine is kind of like, oh, but Nynaeve, Tom, and Julian are like... So I kind of see him not as a... Uh roguish or cool but the way he sees himself is a Han Solo but everyone else sees him with a lot of dashes of John Rathio oh can we get Ben Wyatt no what ben is his Schwartz. actual name Ben Schwartz mm. to play Valen Luca. Um, <laughs> oh he'd be great especially if he wasn't like over the top but kind of played it straight that'd um, be great yeah you know we're traveling around town girl goes daddy please I'm homeless <laughs> oh my god Ben Schwartz as Valen Luca. you heard it here oh so we got Sam Elliott we got Ben Schwartz we got some good castings going on <laughs> the two only two characters in the real time that's <laughs> the it the only ones I care um, about but no I do love this idea of 9A just throwing the silver penny out the window as the characters are going Get a job, loser! <laughs> Just kind of hits him and falls to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they arrive in Sienda, mm-hmm. and there is a fuck ton of white cloaks. Yeah, there are. And made me nervous. Uh, they get to an inn, and they do the usual banter of Elaine's a lady, Nynaeve is the maid, Tom and Julian are the footmen, and they get their room, and um, we go... Uh, they settle into the room and Nynaeve goes into Talarandriog, but it's my favorite moment of, let me, um, find it in the books, because it was so, again, Kate Redding's reading of this is so, uh, Well, he's looking that up, everyone in the Discord, I want to hear it personally for me, who would you cast as Luca? I want to know who you would cast. <laughs> yeah, who would y'all cast? Alright, um, let's see, shit, where is it? Oh. Oh, this is the wrong uh, chapter. Um, 
It's okay. In my notes, oh. I, I ran out of space, so right after 13, uh, chapter 20 is below it. And I've been trying so hard not to uh, not to jump the gun because there are, like, a couple of question-marked bullet points that I don't mm. want to say out loud. We'll get to it. Yeah. But. Um, so Elaine says to Egwene, Remember to tell Egwene to let Rand know that I am thinking of him. She was not going to let the woman start a row. Tell her to... Tell him that I love him, and only him. There, she had it out. Nynaeve rolled her eyes in what was really a most offensive way. If you wish me to, she said dryly. It's so good. Nynaeve is so fucking over. She's like, cool. Great. Well, this, it's such a disgusting young puppy love still. It, it is. It's so summer camp. It's so like, you've talked to him twice. I like, oh my god. So that brings us into chapter 14, meetings. Mm-hmm. So, the iconography... I just wrote down Ying Yang Circle. Oh, uh, that is also uh, Aes Sedai. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so yeah, Aes Sedai went into... Oh, um, no, that is um, the Dream Terangriel. Oh, so that's what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, chapter 14 symbol is uh, Dream Terangriel. All right. So we got another... We got some... Uh, we got a mention of a new Forsaken. Yes. Uh, thanks to Brigitte. Yeah, we did. So, um, I'll just go over that point real quick, and then I'll let you talk. No, no, absolutely. So, um, Nynaeve uh, meets up with uh, Brigitte. Mm-hmm. We get a kind of recap of what the Heroes of the Horn do in Teleranriad. We found out Gaidel Kane has been reborn, and so eventually Brigitte is going to be weaved out into the world through out of Teleranriad to be with Gaidel Kane to go on another adventure. But she says she's seen the Forsaken. She's seen Lanfear, Demandred, Samael, Ravine, and a new one, Semarog. And I think Nynaeve or Brigitte says that Semarog scares the shit out of her. Mm -hmm. But she mentions that they're all stalking each other. So it even kind of shows, like with the prologue scene with uh, Ravine, Lanfear, Samael, and Grendel, how they were like working together. No, they're still plotting. They're still scheming. You know? Yeah. Well, again, I, I I think I called this a while ago. I don't know how too long, but ultimately, I think the good side is going to win against the bad side. Right. Um. I you know I I'd be very surprised <laughs> if if it happened any other way. But I think it's all about the how does this happen? You know. Right. What 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 are the themes? What are we saying about you know what is the human condition being reflected in stuff? And I think one of the big ones is. The infighting, you know, the power yeah. struggle is going to be their undoing. Like, I love the idea of, you know, we've got one of the Forsaken kind of being uh, uh, symbolically labeled the spider, you know, yeah. and trapping all the other Forsaken in their web as, as well as everyone else. Um, personally, uh, I don't know if you can read the uh, the third and final bullet point for this chapter down there, what that is. Oh? Exactly. It is three question marks, which <laughs> translates exactly into that. Because we get so much goddamn information in this yeah chapter. there is so much there's a lot there is so uh elaine and Mila- melanie mm-hmm. the, however it's pronounced mm-hmm. finally come in uh it's a funny moment because uh Nynaeve can shift her clothes and she's she's wearing this like little tear bonnet dress mm-hmm. and then gwen comes in going girl what the fuck are you doing well i love it because in it it's so uh i i love the dream stuff yeah, I love it personally as a as a first time reader as a as a lover of fantasy. I love that we're diving into dreams. Yeah, what they represent, what they are, and you know, kind of in this world, what they are. And I love the idea of like your 
innermost can't really be hidden in this world. Yeah, what you really want will be revealed. Yeah, and it's think I think it's very interesting that Maeve is trying on these dresses. She's a little vain in, yeah. in, in the dream world, you know? She kind of has this deeper side to her that wants to show a little t- titty for land. Exactly, and I I like that because I think, you know, the, the dreams, you know, there's... Oh, if, if I can get an off Wheel of Time tangent on, on real-world dreams and shit. Please. We still do not know why we sleep. We literally do not know. We know what happens when we don't. We know that's a very natural thing that happens. Uh, we we understand, you know, brain waves are different when you're sleeping than when you're yeah. conscious, and we understand that the subconscious kind of works when you're sleeping. Do you think dreams could be important to the future, or do you think... How deep are into, like, meta... Uh, what's the term I'm thinking of? Like, tarot and astrology. And oh, like, like, like Wicca? Like, pagan uh, sort of things. Witchcraft and things like How deep are mm-hmm. you into that? Are you, do you, are you kind of like, mm. Uh Yeah, damn, that's a, that's a deep question for a podcast about books. But... Uh, I have my I have my stock answer, you know, whenever we talk about we, the general we, whenever I yeah. talk to anyone about <clears throat> religion, you know, mysticism, anything that's bigger than the human, I believe that there are things that I cannot, we cannot experience or see in this physical realm. Yeah. I believe that there's more than I can perceive right now. What that is, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of agnosticism. Yeah, yeah, uh, 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 very, very much specifically, I, I uh, identify as a deist. I, I, <laughs> I think I'm, I believe that there's, there are thing, various things out there. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, I put more stock in tarot than I do oh, like yeah. horoscopes because I feel like horoscopes are very like, but at the same time, mm-hmm. the stars and all of that. This is, this is for like a, this is for a Patreon episode. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. If if you want me to give like the two minute version of of a dream I had that actually did yes. affect my life. So because if you're asking like if dreams are like you know visions of the future, yeah, do you believe, or like, are they are they more like inner self connected even? Yeah. Uh, before I moved to Los Angeles, I moved back in with my parents. It was a bad time. Lost my first apartment in the town I was living in and stuff. It was uh you know not my not my finest hour. I was yeah. figuring out who I was. I was a younger lad. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I was in, like, a pretty bad depressive swing, trying to figure out what my life was, what I wanted to be, and I had a dream. I won't go through the whole dream, but essentially it ended on me seeing the most beautiful sunset or sunrise I'd ever seen. And in that dream, I felt emotions. I felt euphoria. I felt ecstasy. I felt calmness. I felt peace. Um, And it wasn't until when I finally started doing shows again, like performing again and traveling, that when I was leaving Los Angeles from one of the best shows I ever did uh whether it really was is all on the audience but I felt good about yeah. it yeah I saw that same exact sunset oh, shit. going back home and I knew I knew I had to move to Los Angeles uh cut to three months later I was I was here I was nice. I was couch surfing I was making it work but I felt so sure of my journey whether that was a vision of the future or something that was you know so self-important to me and was you know an answer hidden inside of me that I needed to you know the subconscious to sort out yeah who knows? But dreams can be powerful. Yes. And in this series, dreams, dreams can be are very powerful. Dreams are very powerful. And that is stressed very much by Melaine, who tells Nynaeve, like, you need to, like, realize you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Mm-hmm. And she even plays a little dirty, but she says, I have to play dirty girl. She says, uh, Lan, uh, they use the Aiel term, analog. 
and Alien, or I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, land will die on the day that you die. You are, she says, you are fucking around with things you do not know. Yep. Even Egwene doesn't know, and like she's training with us. Yep. I love that dreams are like even more powerful, possibly, than the one source, or the yeah. one power. Again, it goes into that old world, like, things are older than what we've discovered. You know, this because, wolf like, power, these dreams. Yeah. Oh, I love because it. Because you could go into a dream, and that's fine. But Egwene realized, you go into someone else's dream, that's different territory. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all of this is talked about. They kind of catch up with each other. Egwene, uh, Nynaeve learns that um, Moraine is paying attention to Rand now and kind of listening to him. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And... This is what I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. Egwene is like, well, Rain is so big-headed now and all this. And I named said, here's the thing. You kind of have to stay with him. I think, like, through this, Nynaeve always goes, that's not Rand. Like, she, like, Egwene doesn't see Rand as the Dragon Reborn because it's Rand. It's the kid who grew up in the village. Like, shut up. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve doesn't see the Dragon Reborn because she, she sees Rand Thor as the kid she sought to protect. Right, and, and, she's, comes, and she's not around him a lot either. Yeah, and she so hasn't I, seen a lot of his transformation. She takes a step, yeah, and that step back that she has goes like, you can't just abandon him. You need to be there for the sake of the world. He needs to be reminded of who he was. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's so important for Rand. You know, yeah. no, I think it's interesting because you know we've talked about it in past episodes. I really kind of had in my head for the first couple of books that these these Emmonsfield Five were a tight bunch they yeah. were a rascally group of very tight-knit people and they aren't no um and especially Nynaeve being in that you know in that wisdom role kind of overseeing everyone I think there is a bit of a she's always going to see Rand as the kid a little bit you know yeah. and in, and again she hasn't been around him she's kind of come in and out and seen some shit but she hasn't seen how she hasn't really seen him like when you take into context uh when everyone was together it's been Two, three months. Yeah. And when you think about all that happened in the Shadow Rising and so far in the Fires of Heaven, in a couple of months, mm-hmm. and especially with Rand, his madness is so right. creeping in. I do think Nynaeve, and I don't I don't think the chapter actually put anything on it. I don't think we got, like, a confirmed anything. It is a bit of a headcanon that Nynaeve did put that in her back pocket of, like, Moraine is listening to Rand? Yeah. What does this mean? What what does what does this mean overall? And I again, I'm very interested to see how Nynaeve grows in this book, especially. I yeah. think it's gonna happen. Uh, yeah, I'd be very very curious about that. Yeah. And so um, we have the chapter ending with Mo- Melanie calling Nynaeve a child and literally doing the same punishment Egwene got, and it's a great little button. Yes. Yeah. Chapter. <laughs> Um, so, before we go into chapter 5, I want to issue a brief... Chapter 15. Chapter 15. One five. Chapter 15, What Can Be Learned in Dreams. I do want to issue a brief content warning. There is a mention of sexual assault. So, I just want to get this out there. If this is something that is sensitive to you, uh, we're going to touch on it briefly. We won't try to go too deep into the content warning subject matter because we are... I don't... I am not an authority on that. But this is just a warning. So this is a very controversial chapter in terms of when people see Egwene, mm-hmm. how people see Egwene. Yeah. And again, it can't be denied straight up. What Egwene does is she sexually assaults Nynaeve. Whether she knew what she was doing 
or if she was just reflecting what the wise ones have sort of done to her. Because when you look at what Amis did in that one dream where it looked like she was about to eat mm-hmm. Egwene, and I think Egwene earlier in the books mentions something similar had happened to her. Mm-hmm. So there is a bit of kind of poo-pooed sexual assault that happens. Right. Before to... before we dissect it entirely, and uh, yeah. uh, listener, if, you know, you were forewarned, but just for the... Uh, for the for the interest of dissecting this fairly with everybody talking about it and listening, uh, go ahead and give us an overview of what happens. What happens is Nynaeve is still in Teleren Riyadh. She kind of has this mindset of, you really can't tell me what to do. I, like, I'm not under your tutelage and all that. Nynaeve goes to the White Tower in her dreams, and she is in the Almerlin Seat's office, notes how different it is. And Egwene appears, and Egwene says, you can't do this. And they get into a fight, and Egwene says, there are monsters here that you can't will away. And so Egwene conjures two monsters, one of whom rips Nynaeve's dress open and leaves physical scars on her body, uh, clutches Nynaeve's face and leans his face, and whether it's to kiss her or he was going to eat her face we don't know but it Nynaeve freaks out and Egwene puts the monsters away mm-hmm. so like it can't be denied that was sexual assault she put Nynaeve in a situation situation where the thing is is I don't know if Egwene knew what she was really doing I think she, well... Like she was throwing some power around and that's just how it translated? Yes. I okay. don't know if Egwene... The the notion of sexual consent and sexual assault is a very tender subject. And I don't want to misspeak. But, and I think Egwene, this is just a dark moment in Egwene's arc. And it kind of shows, as we see later, how far she's kind of willing to go to protect her own betterment because she really did this to scare the shit out of Nynaeve so Nynaeve wouldn't reveal they've been meeting in Teleran Riyadh outside of the wise one's uh, knowledge mm-hmm. so I don't know how to put a button on this but just to say it's a low moment in Egwene's arc I respect her still as a character but it is one of her like ooh that was really bad you know yeah yeah I'm gonna tread carefully as well because yeah. uh said it earlier in this episode but straight white man here. Uh, I definitely think there are many of our voices already in the chamber. So, um, you know what I will say, I don't know what I will say. Cause, yeah. cause I saw, I, I read it and it was kind of rough. It was kind of like, it felt like an attack from yeah. going to nine Abe. So already with that dynamic, we kind of see a bit of a divide and a shift and a bit of a, Egwene is showing Nynaeve the world she's in, and Egwene is yeah. steering the ship. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's much more important to listen than to talk. Yeah, so, so... we're going to move on. <laughs> so in this chapter, Nynaeve and Egwene find out that Elida is Omerlin's seat. Mm-hmm. Um, they also find out um, that um Bashir Davron Bashir and Queen Tenobia have kind of said fuck you to the Ajah that uh the Red Sisters that Elida sent out um and um um so uh, Nynaeve finds out 
um, about the Saladar sisters, but she's unable to remember because just as she's reading, we find out about them finding out about Elida. And um, we... Uh, uh, Nynaeve and Elaine... Nynaeve and Egwene kind of go, okay, well, Rand and Moraine have to know about Swan because mm-hmm. that's not something that can just be, like, ignored. Right. So they go their separate ways. I'm trying to think if there's anything, like, super-duper uh, important. Um... I got something super duper important for the yes. episode before to wrap it. Yeah. Did anyone in the Discord put up who they would cast as Luca? Um, it is very important to me. I am so sorry no one did. Damn. All right. <laughs> That's fine. We can cut this little bit out in the final recording. It's fine. Um, so we, the Egwene and Nynaeve go their separate ways, and we are now with Nynaeve, Egwene, and she is in the waste, and she um, kind of is kind of like, woo. Almost got caught there. Thank God, because I would have been turned away. So then she goes to Rand's tent, where Avienda and another Aiel woman are there. Rand and Asmodian are studying the prophecies of the dragon. Very, it is finals week. It is three in the morning. Like, Asmodian is trying to sleep, and Rand's like, here, read page 245 and 457. Tell me if it scans. And Asmodian's like, I'm trying to sleep. Let me sleep. It's still an interesting dynamic, and it's still one I think is going to bite Rand in the ass. Ultimately, this yeah. whole this whole Asmodian getup, I don't I don't like it. All right, I don't like it. <laughs> so then she Egwene goes to Moraine's tent, and Moraine is spying on Rand, mm-hmm. and they have a conversation. Uh, Moraine learns about Elida, and let's talk about Egwene's dreams. Yes. So Egwene has a dream first. Yeah, we got a few. <laughs> Rand is sitting in a chair whose owner is a woman, and this this woman would be furious to know that her seat was taken. Yep. So definitely see. I'm definitely vibing with uh, uh, this is either um, Moraine that we're getting reference to, or it's uh, our our Forsaken uh, mm. that pops up every now and again. What's her name? Landfear. Landfear. Thank Landfear. you. Uh, but what seat is that? I think it's just a metaphor. I think it's dreams. I think it's a metaphor. I think it's a seat of power. Okay. Um, I think it's, you know, that's why I'm leaning towards Moraine a little bit, because I think she sees herself kind of driving the reins a little bit. Yeah. But seeing that Rand is kind of in the pilot seat. Mm-hmm. You know, it was her mission, and she's she's still learning how to give that up. I think we get a badass line from her. I don't know if it's in this couple of chapters or the next one, but she, she's got a great line in her own little growth moment that I love. But yeah. at this point, I think more Rain and Fear. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Egwene dreams of Perrin with Fael sitting on his lap with his beard trimmed. The Manathron banner and wolf banner stream behind him. Aram also armed with a sword stands behind Perrin. But she notes that as she tries to get closer to Perrin... She gets this feeling of doom as she gets closer. And I wrote Slayer, Luke. As, as who gets closer to Perrin? As Egwene gets closer to Perrin, as she tries to approach, this feeling of doom overwhelms mm. her. So I'm like, I wonder if there's some Slayer, Luke thing that's kind of at play there. Yeah, I kind of saw it as, because I don't, you know, the kids, as I as I lovingly will call them from time to time, the Yemen's Field of Five, I, I do think they will be reunited and stuff. I think when it's time for Perrin and Gwen, wherever they are, kind of in their arcs, I think it's you know, I think it's gonna be you know battle. Yeah. <laughs> At the very least. <coughs> okay. 
She has another dream of Matt dicing with blood streaming down his face, his hat covering the wound. Yeah, I think uh, I think Matt's going to get in some trouble with some dark forces, personally, and I think he's going to try to gamble with his life, and uh, I don't think he's going to die, but, you know, we've already seen him with the dagger, so, yeah. you know. He's already he, fucked up before. Exactly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of get something like that again in the works. Okay. Um, Tom reaching and pulling a blue stone out of a fire, the same stone like Moraine is wearing out of her on her head. Yeah, dude, I I got nothing with that one because okay. that is like some strong imagery, and it's very I think it's very telling that outright we are told it's like Moraine's stone mm-hmm. and not just a blue stone, and you make the connection right. of like oh like Moraine. So I don't think it's I don't think it's Moraine. I don't think I I do. I'm wondering if there's a bit of you know some of Tom's past that's coming back at some point, something yeah. like that. But that one I was just like, well, I can't <laughs> wait to see what that is. Yeah. And then the last one is a storm whose lightning bolts rent the earth. Yes. And if I'm correct, because this one actually stuck out to me, it's two exact lightning bolts. Yes. It's it's two of them exactly the same. I think overall that's that's Rand and the big bad going toe-to-toe again, very much like when they had that fight in the clouds. You yeah. know, I, I think it's going to get... Nuclear. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so Egwene is kind of like, dude, how are you so calm knowing that Elida has the Armorland seat? And Moraine's like, Swan and I have been going about this for 21 years, which is, it's also a kind of sad note. Rand's birthday's in three months. Oh, shoot, really? Yeah, because she says, like, in three months it'll have been 21 years. Oh, wow, so, yeah, and she set out, yeah. That's yeah. right. Wow. Man, this happens at a blazing speed. Yeah. Like, you kind of think this is going to be a seven-year arc, and we haven't even finished year one. Holy yeah. shit. Um, Moraine kind of goes, I knew this danger was already coming. This is something I'm curious about your thoughts. Egwene goes, well, what about, uh, hold on, let me find the specific quote. Yeah, I really hope it's the quote I'm thinking it is, because I don't remember if it happened at this end of bunch of chapters or the next bunch. But it's one of the most powerful lines from Moraine and absolutely. I know got what me you're thinking it is not that. Um, she goes, Oh. Um, Egwene is talking about the danger and she goes, What about Lanfear? And Moraine says, um, with luck, the ice that I went on, we will not have to worry about Lanfear. The others Nynaeve saw are another matter. You and I must keep close a, a watch as we can. I wish more of the wise ones could channel. Do you think she's gonna Moraine is gonna kill Lanfear? Like, I don't know. What do you think? That, that's a, it's a very specific, like, well, what do you mean by that? Right. Um, you know, Moraine's a planner. She's got yeah. things in the works all the time. She's kind of got her eye on the whole playing field. She's she's very much a uh, a third base coach than she is a, a general manager. Yeah. Just meaning she's, like, on the field, involved, but she kind of sees, is she going to kill Lanfear? I hope so. I'd like that. Yeah. I'd like that a lot, <laughs> especially with how involved uh, Lanfear is in with Rand. At this point, I don't know, because uh, if I was a betting man, I'd have to say that uh, Rand would probably kill another Forsaken, because yeah. he's kind of... He's, he's like, kind of two for one. I right? was going to say, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or three. <laughs> he killed uh, Aganor, but no, he killed Algon- Aganor, but not Balthamel. Right, but he, yes. But he's um, three for all right now. It, it's definitely one of those things of, like, Moraine says some shit, and you're like, oh, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking? What do you got going on? Yeah, what's your plan? Uh, so, hmm, I'd like to see it, but ultimately, I don't I don't think Lanfear's end is coming too soon. I, right. I think she's going to be a late game player. Cool. Yeah. 
So something that was brought up a little bit earlier. Um, Egwene says, well, it's good that um, the... So, small detail we forgot to mention. Nynaeve, in her dream, sees Elida and notices that on the Amarlin stole, the blue stripe is gone. Mm-hmm. So, um, Egwene talks to Moraine and goes, well, okay, it's good, because then we'll have, like, the blues and the yellows on our side. And Moraine goes, we can't have a fractured tower. We need the tower whole. Here's the thing. The tower has been the pillar of the entire Westlands for thousands of years. If they break apart, we're fucked. Times change, baby. Gotta break that tower. Baby! I'm, I'm, I'm so full steam ahead of, like, no, Fuck the tower. Break the tower. There should right. be no... There should not be an organization this strong and concentrated. But without this white tower, the world will not know of the last battle and all that yeah, shit. Maybe they shouldn't. Okay! Maybe they shouldn't. I, I am so... They see, like, a huge battle. What's happening, Aes Sedai? <laughs> Nothing. Because what would happen is you'd have all these other wild Aes Sedai that are privy to that knowledge that would, would come naturally anyways. What you're having is a concentration, an organized concentration right. of power and knowledge. And if that falls into the wrong hands, into the bad ones... And it already has. Exactly, as, because, we, as we see. Um, oh, wait, that's next episode. For, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that's a very much a personal opinion of yeah. if I was in this world, I wouldn't want this power to exist. Okay. I would be so much of, like, the Matt and Perrin brigade of, like... I'm not, I don't fucking trust Aes Sedai. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's fair. And don't get me wrong, we got good people that are Aes Sedai and that are fighting for the good things. I just, yeah. that that concentrated, organized power just, just oh, it makes me so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so they go into talk and... It more... is interesting, though, that she does say that it cannot be fractured. It needs yeah. to be whole. It, it, it's all or nothing. And and that, she, that is an interesting And point. she's like, listen... No matter what, it'll only take 13 eyes to die to bond. Because right? I agree with that, too, of, like, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a large book theme here. It's all yeah. about balance. It's all about the different yeah. schools of the Aja. So I guess in that way, there's a power check, and I, I you know, I can yield a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but also, <laughs> it's like, at the end of the day, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Petty squabbles are not important. Exactly. <laughs> so um, Maureen talks about how, regardless of the tower, it only takes 13 eyes to die to fuck Rand over mm-hmm. and she says we need to guide Rand you need to be there for him it's all we can do is that that sort of moment what you were talking about the badass line I, I think so I, I have the I have the line in question she says you know uh, in order to accept this idea I had to surrender myself yes okay there you yes. go yeah like just the fact that she's not she's not hard turning Rand anymore she's trying to take a different tack she's like okay I understand that he's coming into his own, and yeah. maybe I have to, you know, relent some of that. Yeah. Oh, I, it's such a cool moment it for her. It is great. And I love when Egwene notes that she and Maureen talked as equals. Yeah. No, there's there's just some really cool growth happening here. The, the dynamics are changing, some of them in really good, awesome ways. Some of yeah. them are breaking, but I really, I, you know, I, I fucking stand Maureen, like, to the end. Like, as soon as she She's came in, I was like, oh, Oh, I love this woman. Yeah. Um, just the fact that she has more room to grow and that she's yeah. not, you know, again, like like Nine Ave, who has her shortcomings but doesn't acknowledge them, or at the very least acknowledges them but doesn't really work with them. Like, you know, girl, you can only channel when you're angry. Maybe you should figure that out a little. Yeah, maybe, like, let's maybe, work on maybe you. Maybe when you're traveling, you should do some meditation at night. Just the fact that Moraine is so steeped, she's so old in this knowledge, and yeah. she's still growing is... Very much, uh, as a person, too, who who has had a couple of mentors, some of them 
uh, some of those relationships ending terribly, and yeah. some of them really, you know, some of the better ones is, is you know, a, a, a good mentor prepares you to leave. A great mentor knows you will leave. Right. So I'm just, I'm so here for it. Yeah. I'm so, and again, Egwene being talked to as an equal, I think that's, that's such a power dynamic too. Because yeah. Egwene is getting stronger. You know, she's going to be a linchpin in this last battle. Whatever's happening, Egwene's going to be pretty much front and center of it. I'm calling it now. All right. Yeah. All right. No, no, that, 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 that one line just excited it's a great me to, to no end. Yeah. And I think it's good. Uh, this is a good place to end this episode. Um, Eric, who gets the gold star of the week? Yo, gold star is going to my girl Moraine. Showing us that old dogs can still learn new tricks. <laughs> Probably not the best idiom, but uh, just, again, the fact that she can kind of change and grow at this point in her own story. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. Any color changes? Any drastic color changes? Uh, color change might go to... You know, I didn't think about it pre-episode, but since we brought it up, like, maybe Egwene for attacking 9A like Egwene that. Like, goes to, like... It's really not she cool, She goes man. to an orange card. She goes to an orange card. You know, she doesn't even get a color change. She's got to go see the school counselor. Yeah, she has to see the school counselor. She, 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 she has to talk, talk things about something. <laughs> they have to, we have to talk about some things. Some, yeah, maybe, maybe her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyway, we want to thank you all for hanging out. And if you are in the Discord, um, if you want to hang out, we're going to be recording episode 20... Five. We're just gonna take like a little bit of a break. If you want to like get a drink and come back, uh, but we, if you are listening to this, uh, all polished and pretty, thank you. But why don't you join us on our Discord for a little bit of drunken revelry? Um, Eric, where can they find us? Yeah, you can find us at Loyal's Book Club on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, just just doing the group page and yeah, known, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. <laughs> but yeah. We have some fun stuff coming up. Um, may you always walk in the light. And may you always find water and shade. All right. We'll see you guys in the next one. Yeah.